Every work team has moments of conflict and dysfunction. Sometimes productive conflict is a necessary part of wrestling through big ideas to get to the best possible outcome. But sometimes our teams become mired in conflict that is entirely avoidable because it's based in vastly different communication styles or different motivations and misunderstandings. Enter the Enneagram. The Enneagram offers not only self-awareness, but also curiosity and deeper understanding of others. I teach the Enneagram and consult with teams to improve their communication styles, conflict effectiveness, and self-leadership, all of which foster highly engaged and high-performing teams. During a recent team event, I heard over and over, this just makes so much sense when they looked around the room and saw who was fitting within each type. And now I know why this person asked so many questions or this depersonalizes some of the conflict we've been having because I can tell we're just coming from different perspectives. So now that we know where we are, we can see how we can get aligned. So if you're looking for ongoing support or simply considering an engaging introspective module for your team's offsite or event, let's talk. Reach out to the Nine Types team at hello at ninetypes.co or schedule a one-on-one consultation with me on my website, ninetypes.co. And now on to the show. Hello and welcome back to Enneagram in Real Life, a podcast that will help you go beyond Enneagram theory into practical understanding so that you can apply the Enneagram in your day-to-day life. I'm your host, Steph Baron Hall, creator of Nine Types Co. on Instagram, author of the Enneagram in Love, accredited Enneagram professional, and Enneacurious human just like you. Be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to apply the Enneagram in your daily life. Thanks so much for listening and now on to the show. Welcome back to the Enneagram in Real Life podcast. I am so excited about today's episode. And if you're thinking I sound a little bit like a broken record saying that every single week, it's because it's true. I have really just been enjoying one recording all of these episodes has been such an incredible experience because I feel so lucky and so fortunate to be able to have these conversations with all of these incredible guests. And also, I love every single conversation. I think every episode is my favorite. And then the next one comes up and I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for everyone to hear this. Um, So I really hope that you are loving the podcast as much as I am and that you're really getting a lot of value from it. I think the thing I love so much about podcasts is just the ability to hear from other people from their perspectives and to be able to experience like today, we're going to talk to a type seven and you're getting to hear what it's really like to be a type seven in this specific sphere. And so I think that's really powerful. And I am just so thrilled that I get to come back every week and share these episodes with you. So today we have Camille Logan on the show and Camille is so fantastic. She is and Enneagram 7, and you're going to hear that right away during our conversation. And Camille is also a therapist. And one of the reasons I really wanted to have Camille on the show is because I listened to her podcast, Enneagram for the Culture, which is co-hosted by Kimberly Reese, who will be on the show very soon. And it was just so clear to me how thoughtful and how thorough 
these two women were when they were talking about each of the types. And that comes across as well in this conversation. You can hear Camille's experience, both as a therapist and doing her own inner work and her own perspective on the Enneagram and her type. And I just think that there's something really incredible about being with somebody who is going through that process and doing their work. And I think Camille really shows a different side to the type seven than what we normally hear. And I just so appreciate that. So now that you have a little bit of my perspective, my intro, I want to tell you a little bit about Camille. Camille Logan is a licensed clinical mental health clinician who co-owns a private practice called the Casey Collective in Raleigh, North Carolina. She received both her undergraduate degree in psychology and her master's degree with a focus in counseling from the University of Florida. She enjoys working with adolescents, college students, and adults on a range of issues, but primarily around helping people untangle limiting beliefs, undo unhelpful patterns, and heal from hurtful experiences to help build a healthier narrative that makes room for healing, connection, and personal freedom. The issues that a majority of our clients seek her out for are surrounding areas of depression, anxiety, life transitions, communication, body image, race, and identity. She's inspired by her clients' life stories of hope, resilience, and courage. In her work and what she chooses to practice personally, she's passionate about self-care, emotional intelligence, using the Enneagram as a tool of self-discovery, assertiveness, social justice, and the value of connection and vulnerability. And that all comes through in this episode today. So you're going to love Camille, and I'm so excited to share this with you. So without further ado, here's Camille Logan. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about subtypes. Now, subtypes have been transformational in my own Enneagram journey, and they've also been so incredibly helpful for my clients and my course students, and even some of the teams that I've worked with. So with that said, I want you to head over to the show notes or go to ninetypes.co slash subtypes and download my free subtype guide. You'll get a breakdown of what the whole word means, the entire concept, all 27 subtypes, and you will unlock this new understanding of yourself and the people around you, and you'll have a new way to apply the Enneagram in your daily life. So again, head to ninetypes.co slash subtypes, or check out that link in the show notes to learn more. Enjoy. Okay. Well, Camille, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Hi. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be fun and a good conversation. Yeah. Um, Well, I first discovered you because of your podcast, actually. So um, Enneagram for the Culture. That's correct. Enneagram for the Culture. Um, Yeah, that's so correct. Yeah. I love it. And I I think I really appreciate how you and your co-host, Kim, um, talk about the numbers, your approach to it, and everything. yeah, how has it been with your podcast so far? It's been good. Um, we have been thinking about doing this for a while, probably around a year and a half. Um, Kim is a colleague and a friend of mine, and I was actually the one that brought the Enneagram to her about um, like five or six years ago, and she mm-hmm. um, eventually got into it and started using it. And then Kim is just a really great visionary. She um, – She's a three, and so she's always um, – she's just naturally – she can, like, scale things up, and she can mm-hmm. um, see where 
um, something can grow and be better. And so she very much from um, about a year ago was like, hey, I think that we should do a podcast or we should be doing workshops or we should be, you know, we could do stuff with this because um, I think that we can and I think that we should. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that conversation was, um, so we're two black women. And um, what we were finding in the Enneagram world was that there wasn't a lot of black people talking about the Enneagram um, mm-hmm. professionally as as the experts in the room. And then also there wasn't a lot of uh, people that knew about the Enneagram. Like when I would bring it to clients, I'm a therapist, um, they would be, mm-hmm. a lot of my black clients would be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but my white clients would be like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I know all about that. Um, and yeah. so um, we started to notice that. And so Kim, again, in her very natural gift was able to really start to say like, we should start to do something about this um, and, and, and do something. And so it took me yeah. a while to, to get on board um, because <laughs> uh, I, I, in, in my growth, I have had to realize that while I can do a lot of things, um, I want to make sure that it's something that I'm going to stick with. Um, and it's yeah. something that I um, want to do um, and not have like 20, you know, plates spinning um, when it comes to career. And so it took me a little bit to get on board of if I wanted to do it. And then I eventually was like, yeah, I think, I think this would be good. And I, um, I made the caveat with her. I had two caveats was one, um, it's still, it always needs to be fun. Um, and two, um, we cannot um, lose our friendship. Um, and so mm. if those two things could be guaranteed, um, and I think three kind of was like, we will reassess like each year um, that if mm-hmm. I do want to back out or if I am getting bored with it or I'm not feeling anymore that we can like, there's an exit strategy um, that can yeah. happen here. So I'm not locked into this forever and ever. So we kind of agreed on those terms. And um, so we started doing the podcast. And so we started recording last fall. Mm-hmm. And then we started, we released it February, 2022. Um, and it's been fun. It's been fun to, to release each episode and, um, get to interact with people that have been, ex- that are excited about it and new people that have found us. And, um, and then it's been fun lately to kind of like get to meet you and get to talk with other people that we have like for a long time respected and just enjoy. And, um, so that's been fun too. And it's been good. And then, um, in my nature, wanting to make sure that we like celebrate things, um, mm-hmm. I was like, we need to celebrate the end of season one. And so coming up in a month, um, me and her are going to go away um, and celebrate that we finished season one and then start planning season two and oh get gosh. to connect on a friendship basis too. So I'm really excited for that trip as well. So to answer that your is- question, the podcast has been going well. <laughs> <laughs> That is so fun. And I love, I think that people who are like, who know the Enneagram, even though you haven't said their type yet, they're like, hmm, (laughs) what type is Camille? (laughs) I am a seven. Um, Yep. Some clues in all of that was fun, celebration, uh, not wanting to do too many things, not wanting to get bored, uh, Mm -hmm. wanting to travel and go on a trip together. Um, So all of that. Yeah. Those are, those are sort of the clues. If you, if you kind of did get seven, then yes, you were correct. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I really appreciate that because, you know, as you know, Kim says on your podcast too, that she's a three. And so, you know, we need that. 
We need that little like person who's going to be like, we are going to have fun. We are going to celebrate this. Like we're going to take a breather and we're going to like have a little party and then, you know, get back to work. And then jump back into the work. And she's, she's been wonderful at really jumping into that. She almost sometimes Mm -hmm. is more of the fun police um, where she's like, nope, we got to keep it fun. We got to keep fun. Like, so um, she's really (laughs) leaned into that. And I'm I'm thankful that she has. And it's been fun working with her on it. Um, We both, um, you know, with threes and sevens, we, we both move quickly. Um, and so we can, Mm -hmm. we think and synthesize information pretty quickly and we're, we're, we go. Um, and so we work really well together because it's a similar work style. Um, so that's been really nice to have her, um, just that we don't, we're not in conflict in the way that we work. Um, yeah. 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 That makes sense. And I could see how with, like sometimes having, you know, the different perspectives is really helpful. Like mm-hmm. somebody who's, you know, going fast and somebody who's like, wait, 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 let's like build the scaffolding here. But yeah. at other times it can really cause some tension. So yeah, it, it can, yeah. it it can, if it's because it feels like you're kind of like a push and pull and it's nice that mm-hmm. we're both sort of on that same speed. Um, and then we also, um, we're, you know, we both are therapists. So I, and not that therapists own communication, but we are good at communication. And so, Mm -hmm. um, like even you heard, like, I was like, this is what I really want to make sure happens if we do the podcast. And this is, we sort of have checks and balances where, Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling about this? What do you think about this decision? Like we really check in with each other a lot, um, just to kind of make sure that we're all doing that. We're both doing okay. Yeah. 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 That's so, so helpful. (laughs) Um, so how did you first discover the Enneagram? Yeah. So, um, I first discovered the Enneagram because my friends started talking about it. And I don't know who in my friend group got it first, but somebody got a hold of it. And then like very common, it kind of spread like wildfire. Everyone started talking about it in my friend group. Everybody was asking what number you are and did you do this and did you read this book? And it kind of like got it was like a big topic of conversation in my friend group. And I was on the, I was not on the ground floor of that. And so they brought it to me and they very much were like, Oh, Camille, you're a seven. Like without me, like, you know, looking at it. And I, um, so they, they did that to me and I was kind of like, I don't know about this. You know, you can't tell me what I am. Um, Mm -hmm. and then immediately when I read it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is me. Um, I didn't even, (laughs) I don't even think I looked at any other numbers. Um, and I think that me and Kim talk about this, um, on the podcast that sometimes some numbers are kind of known for having a hard time knowing, like finding their number. Um, I think nines and sixes usually have a little bit of a tricky time. Um, and I think that seven's usually a pretty easy. Um, and so, and I have found that with my clients and with friends and then with myself that, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> there it is. Um, and so it was like that for me really quickly. I was like, okay, yeah. And then I, when I had learned about it, I was actually going through a breakup. Um, the season of, you know, we, you think the breakup, breakup's just like one conversation, but it's a, you know, it's a season. Um, and yeah. so I was in the season of a breakup. And so it kind of was a perfect time. You know, you're kind mm-hmm. of thinking and self, you know, you're kind of thinking about yourself and thinking about relationships and all that stuff. So it kind of fit into my, my life story a little bit at that time, that life season. Um, and then I started, I jumped in and I, you know, went down the rabbit hole that is the Enneagram and, um, then I started realizing I can use it professionally. And so I started doing that as well and then started telling everybody about it. And so that was about, um, that was about, okay. So actually, so it was about like four, four years ago. 
And then, so then I probably brought it to Kim that same year. So yeah, so okay. four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you yeah. see that? Because you've mentioned a couple of times that you use it with your um, clients in therapy. How do you see that blending in really well? And how what does that look like for you? Yeah, it blends in really well. Um, how do I see it blending in? So one, um, you know, therapy in and of itself, right? We're looking at growing and healing and understanding ourselves and understanding why we do certain things and how to not do certain things and how to interact with people and how to communicate with people um, and relationships. And that's all of the things that the Enneagram helps us to do, right? So um, it really blends in perfectly with what clients are coming in for, whatever the issue might be. Um, And so in and of itself, it works. And then I use it two ways. Um, so one way that I use it is I use it just for myself. Um, well, then three ways. I use it just for myself as a clinician. Um, how can I check my sevenness to not get in the way? Um, anytime mm-hmm. you're working with a therapist, as and as a therapist, we are always trying to leave ourselves out of it. Um, it is not what I think you should do. It is not what I would do. It is not how I feel about this situation. It's all about the client. And so um, we're constantly doing that to make sure that we're not getting in the way. And so the Enneagram gives me language of making sure that my sevenness isn't getting in the way, um, that I'm not... um, that I'm not jumping out of sadness too quickly, um, that mm-hmm. I'm not trying to reframe every single thing that my client is saying, um, that I'm not um, uncomfortable when there's silence. Like those sort of mm-hmm. things that I have to make sure that I'm not bringing into the room um, is helpful for me. Um, the other thing that, the other way that I use it is with clients. So the one way I use it is to say, I will implicitly, so in my own head, as a client is talking, I will sort of be kind of not typing them, but I'm um, kind of just categorizing where they probably fall. Um, And so especially with the triad, so I'll be able to kind of say, okay, this sounds like the heart triad. Somewhere in there, that's where this client is living. Um, And so then I know that, yeah, shame is going to be a big factor in this person's life and image and how they are perceived by others. And, and so that's going to give me uh, direction or just understanding and compassion about why this client is, is stuck in a certain way. Um, I might even, even if I, even if I'm not correct on the number, um, I just use it for my own self of knowing that if someone's talking about um, analysis paralysis for some, you know, whatever number they are, and they're talking about stuckness, and they're talking about not knowing how to make a decision that I just know in my head, okay, that sounds like what I would do with a five. And with a five, what I would do with a five is we would talk about getting into our body. And we would talk about like, how do we like assert ourselves? And like, how do I move? And like, whether or not this client is a five or not, that's still a intervention that I would use with someone that's talking about analysis paralysis, which is something that fives talk about. So Mm -hmm. that's one way that I use it. So without the client kind of knowing, it's basically in my head. The other way that I use it is specifically, explicitly with a client. And I will say, hey, do you know your Enneagram number? Yes or no? No. Do you want to look into it? Let's do it. Let's do a whole typing session. Let's figure it out. Let's work on this together. And we actually really bring it into the room. Or a client might come in and say, yes, I know my Enneagram number. I know that language. Let's work with it. And then we go from there. Mm -hmm. So that is how I use it with therapy. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. It's so helpful too because – you know, I've heard 
I love the map analogy for the Enneagram. Like it's like a map to, you know, what's really happening under the surface. And I was even just talking with a coach the other day and I've, I've heard this from other therapists who use the Enneagram too, where it's like, once you know that the client's type, then you, it's just like, oh, okay. Like everything becomes really clear. Not that you know everything possible about them, but you can Mm -hmm. understand more of the undercurrent of the motivation. Yes, absolutely. And it really gets you there really quickly. Um, and easily. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's really helpful in therapy for sure. Um, yeah. It sort of just opens up a whole, it's just like when we talk about it with our friends, right? And someone tells us like, oh, I'm a, I'm an eight. And you kind of are like, oh, like, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, like that, like, okay, I got it now. I understand what motivates you. I understand what you're afraid of. I understand what your desires are. I understand what your strengths are. Like it sort of opens all of that up. And so it's the same thing with clients that it's like, oh, yeah, that's why that thing was really painful because that was really pushing on um, a core fear of yours. Um, yeah. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, and I always talk about this when I'm working with teams, is it like what we're talking about here too, is that understanding that I have my own motivation and then you have your own motivation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like just automatically that there starts to be that loosening of, you know, where we're standing and how we're seeing things because we're automatically Mm -hmm. able to assume, okay, you, you're seeing it differently than I would. Yeah. And the way that you're seeing it isn't bad. That's one of my favorite things about Mm -hmm. the Enneagram is that they're all, um, none are better or worse or anything. They all have their positives and negatives and their, their ways that they're really healthy and the ways that it can get really tricky. And so, um, being able to kind of like just know that like okay you're just you're just looking at this issue from a different vantage point it's not a bad vantage point it's just a different vantage point and so um how do i step into your shoes and uh, and see like okay yep i see it from this side now um and we can do that to get to like connect with other people but then you know we've talked about like and everybody talks about that fine line of we are our numbers but then we're not our numbers and so like how do i how do I step into someone else's shoes to help myself see this from a different vantage point that I don't have to just see it this way? How can I lean on the strengths of other numbers, whether it's um, the numbers that sit right next to me or the numbers that I connect to? Um, how can I use those access points and those vantage points to my advantage so I'm not just looking at something from my lens? Because um, mm-hmm. then I'm missing out because there's beauty in looking yeah. at it from other lenses. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if as you've kind of grown and like been able to say like, okay, I'm not going to reframe this immediately. I am going to sit with this sadness with this client and things like that. What tools with the Enneagram, like maybe your wings or your arrows or or whatever, what tools with the Enneagram have you used or leaned on to develop that better? Yeah. Um, definitely. So as a seven, I connect to the five place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, um, I almost, Honestly, probably my therapist vibe, like when I'm in the room, I actually had a client the other day who was started listening to my podcast and she was like, you sound different on there. And I'm like, oh, because I'm like, I, I'm talking faster. I'm excited. I'm, um, you know, just bopping around and just, um, but in therapy, I, yeah, I'm a lot more chill and a lot more calm and a lot more, there's more depth. Um, and there's a lot more silence and quiet. And so I almost sometimes really feel like my therapist, um, zone is in my five space, um, of just kind of thinking and being, Mm -hmm. um, so that's something, um, that I have used the Enneagram to kind of lean into is that five space. 
um, as a therapist. Um, I think with six, yep, next to the six, I feel like me being able to like prepare and to have a plan and to think through like, okay, if this client is talking about this, like how do we kind of have that be a little bit more like stepwise and like what would be the best ways to like support this client in a very like logical way. Um, And then I think my one connection, I think I use that a lot in sort of this place of when I have to like kind of really advocate for a client and be like, Hey, that's not that, that what they did wasn't right. Um, you know, that was, that's not okay. Um, and so being able to kind of be that voice in the room with a client. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, all of it, all the ways. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I, and I love that. I think that's such a great example of how we have all these tools at our disposal Mm -hmm. with the Enneagram. Like it's not just like, Oh, here's your type. Here you go. Good Mm -hmm. luck. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I do love it too. I think that this is why so many of us are drawn to it is that it's not just like descriptive of where you are, but like, mm-hmm. here's where you could go basically. Yes, 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 yes. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's what drew me the most into the Enneagram, honestly, because I've always liked, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a therapist, so I love personality stuff. I love the Myers-Briggs and yeah. the Strength Finder. And I love all of that stuff because I just find it so neat. Um, and what I think that why the Enneagram spoke more to me was that it does create places of growth that pl- creates places mm-hmm. of um, road, like you said, a map, like a roadmap of, of where you are and where, how you get somewhere else. And um, I thought that was really, really interesting. And I, I hadn't found um, other personality systems to really do that as well. Yeah. Um, I felt like it was just, Hey, you're an EFNFJ. That's it. Like, right? Like, it's, there's no there's no talk about, okay, if you're an ENFJ, how can you be an INFJ? Like, they don't – there's no, like, I don't – that I know of. There's no path for that. Whereas when – in the Enneagram, when it's like, hey, you're a seven, but hey, like, there's a path for you to be a little bit more five-like. And there's a path for you to use your eight wing and do this. And there's a path for you to – there's all these paths that I can use um, to kind of – not be in the box. The thing that Kim says so beautifully on our podcast at one point is like the Enneagram um, helps us identify our box and then figure out how to get out of that box. Um, Mm -hmm. As opposed to other personality systems that really are like, here's your box. Um, (laughs) So um, there's, there's a little bit more to it. So that's really neat. Yeah. I totally agree. Obviously, because we're here talking about the Enneagram. Yeah, of Uh, course. So I'm really curious because I actually have met a few sevens who are therapists. And I think that's mostly because of the types of programs that I'm in because of the type of work that I do. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of us, sometimes it might be like, huh, how did you end up as a therapist as a seven? Like, and I'm really curious how you chose this career path and and what that has looked like for you. Yeah. Um, I love that I'm a seven therapist. Like, I think it is a beautiful thing because I – I don't know. I think maybe we all think this about our number, but sometimes I feel like the sevens get a little bit of a, get painted a certain way and it they kind of miss some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I like, I'm almost getting like, like emotional thinking about it. Like I, I have a really close tie to like beauty and what is good in the mm-hmm. world and um, abundance, not in a way of like that gluttony place, but the, this place of like what could be and how wonderful it could be. Um yeah. And I have a really close relationship with hope and um, mm-hmm. and all of that. And so 
And I think as a therapist, like I get to bring beauty into people's lives. I get to notice where there is redemption and where there is hope and where there is um, strength and resilience. I mean, again, like for sevens, we're so e- we can we can reframe and do a silver lining like a blink of an eye. And in counseling school, like that's one of the first things we learn is how to reframe. And I'm like, oh, I got that. Like, you know, like that's really like <laughs> I keep it simple. Um, and so um, and so being able to do that is so special to me. Um, there was this is a silly story, but um, the movie Encanto. Um, and so we were, you know, my friends and I were all watching it or whatever. And one of my friends asked, if you could have any special power that the people in Encanto have, which would you pick? And I said, me and the other seven said, um, to be able to add flowers. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that is such a seven thing to say that like, I want to add flowers. I want to be able to add beauty in all of these areas. Um, and and I think that sometimes, I, maybe it's my own perception that people be like, oh, just add flowers. Like, you don't want to be the one that heals. You don't want to be the one that like sees the future. And I'm like, no, I want to make things beautiful. Like, um, and and that's a really great skill. And so I, I definitely feel like that as a therapist. Like, I want to add flowers. I want to um, connect with people and, and help people see that like what they think is a huge mess or a huge place of despair is actually a place of beauty um, or a place that um, – beauty can rise from it, um, where we can find laughter. A lot of times my clients will say, gosh, I didn't realize I was going to laugh so much in therapy. Um, and not that like, <laughs> we like, with, it's because like things sometimes are funny, like, you know, and mm-hmm. like, let's take a step back and like giggle about this or, or laugh about this because whew, like, you know, and I think that sometimes clients that aren't in therapy sometimes don't realize that like, yeah, there is also a levity to, mm-hmm. to the work and that we're still human and, um, we can have fun. I, I bring a lot of fun into my work. Um, I don't just sit and talk. Um, we'll get up, we'll kind of play like, we'll, um, I will have you, you know, show me with your body. I will have you draw it out for me. I will have you, you know, use items to kind of like show me something. And, um, so not just getting, stuck cerebrally, but trying to get into our bodies and, um, and, and do a little bit something out of the box, um, in terms of therapy. And I think as a seven, I, I really lean into that playfulness, um, in therapy. Life is hard, yeah. you know, let's make it a little easier. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that creativity is something that I think we often miss when we are highlighting sevens. I think that there, you're right. There is that stereotype that sevens don't have any depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, no, no, like you can be serious about your job mm-hmm. and just want to have fun while doing it, yeah. right? Like yeah. it, it, both can exist. But yeah. also with fours and sevens, like mm-hmm. there is no box, right? We yeah. always say like, think outside the box. It's like, no, no, no there's no box. Yeah, like no therapy box. doesn't have to be on a couch, like looking at each yeah. other. It can be anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love yeah. that. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I do. And I think that to be fair, I think that probably sometimes maybe why sevens get a little bit of a short, I don't think we really do. I think there's other numbers that probably do really get caricatured a lot more. But um, I think that sometimes why a lot of people don't know a lot about the seven is because we don't let people see that side, <laughs> um, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to sit and talk about the depths of things with everybody because at the core, I'm I'm afraid. Um, so it's mm-hmm. really with my, my close people that I'm really going to show um, the depth and the wisdom and the, um, 
all the stuff that the sevens do bring, but on the surface, yeah, we look like we're having a grand old time. Um, but mm-hmm. we look like we're just adding flowers, right? But it's not everybody yeah. knows why I'm adding flowers. Um, and so that's that's I think part of our stuff, right? That um, yeah, we kind of keep it light for everybody. And and unless you're in that inner circle, I think you can see that. Oh no, there's a lot going on underneath the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you do you watch the show Shit's Creek? Yes. Yes. That was one of my like pandemic, like lifeboats. Um, (laughs) I watched it at the very beginning of lockdown. So I, it was like balm to my like soul. Like I like was like, I need this in my life. So yes, I do love Schitt's Creek. Yeah. And I think too, like one thing I love about it is like, it is funny, but also they're not like glossing over the shittiness of their situation, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Just like mm-hmm. talking about it. But anyway, so this um, scene where I don't remember what episode it's in, but David and Alexis are going to David's, you know, driving tests or whatever. Mm-hmm. And David says to Alexis, like, I like you just skate through life. And she's like, I don't skate through life. I walk through life in really nice mm-hmm. shoes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and where she's just saying like, and this is something I, I see about sevens a lot is sometimes it seems like sevens always get their way or like they always mm-hmm. figure it out or they always mm-hmm. land on their feet. And mm-hmm. I think what's actually happening is like just the belief that they can figure it out, just the belief that things are possible, mm-hmm. just the belief that mm-hmm. um, things will turn out okay is kind of what makes it turn out okay. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. they're not like knocked down by things. Mm-hmm. Not They're like, Oh, pivot instead of like falling over. <laughs> you know, 100%. I feel like when like, you know, the quote that's like, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade or make margaritas. I'm like, that seven thought of that. Like, that is like, <laughs> like, was like, all right, we're going to make lemonade yeah. out of this. Like, this is the reframe that's going to happen. Like, we're going to make yeah. something good happen. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I think, I also think like, a, you know, a, a generalization is I think that sevens generally like being sevens. And so I feel mm-hmm. like when we hear our number, we're like, yeah, that makes complete sense. Like, why wouldn't I make lemonade when I got lemons? Like, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) why would you sit here and cry about lemons? Like, let's just make it into lemonade. Um, So it, it, you know, it makes sense to us. Um, But yeah, I love that about, yes. And I I know I personally, again, I don't know if this is a seven thing. I will get self-conscious when people say, Mm -hmm. you just skate through life or you just get, uh, there's a phrase that I've heard in my life, you just gallivant around. Um, And I'm like, no, I'm not just gallivanting. I actually do feel what's happening. I am, I do see the lemons. Mm -hmm. I do um, feel and and there's depth and I'm thinking about it. But yeah, am I gonna make lemonade and add flowers and go on a trip? Like, yeah, I sure am because (laughs) life is short and let's live it to the full and and experience the beauty that there is to be had here. Um, so yes, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think I think you're right. You know, there there is something to that we're missing when we don't see that, right? Yeah. Um, and I also think that just in my experience, like working with sevens, I think that the move from the passion of gluttony to the virtue of sobriety is Mm -hmm. one of the hardest ones. Yes. Because gluttony just works so well and it is so (laughs) like reinforcing of itself. Right. Yeah. And then the, the, the virtue of sobriety feels, it feels like a trap almost. Yeah. Yeah, it does. 
Yes. <laughs> yes, it is hard. And it's, um, and I think I do, I think every number, whatever their path is, it's tough because we're taking away the mm-hmm. thing that has worked um, and the thing that makes sense in quotation marks. And so mm-hmm. for, yeah, to say, well, okay, now I have to move to a place of sobriety is hard and it's, it does feel like a trap. And the work is that, um, there's beauty in that. Um, there is, there is, you're going to be okay. Right. Cause again, the, the idea for idea for a seven is like, I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I don't know if these people can hold this. I don't know if I can depend on them. I don't know if I'm going to get stuck here. I don't know what's going to happen if I'm sad for a long time. And so with a place of sobriety, it's like, you will be okay. You are held, you are connected, mm-hmm. you are supported. You can handle this. You don't need to pile on trips and this and that, and you don't have to get distracted and you don't have to like flitter and flutter. Like you can sit with this emotion. You can sit with this quiet, um, and you will be okay. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that it is very hard, but there is beauty in it and there is mm-hmm. necessity in it. Um, yeah. cause if you just flittering and fluttering, if you are just gallivanting around, then you don't see the beauty that comes from the quiet. Um, Mm -hmm. and there is beauty in that too. So I think, and again, even as I'm hearing myself say that, I'm like, again, what a seven thing for me to say, but there's beauty there too. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's goodness there too. Um, that's what motivates me to say it's okay to be quiet is that no, but there's something beautiful there. Um, cause that's going to drive me to want to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's too, like this, the satisfaction or the fulfillment Mm -hmm. that the seven is seeking. Right. And just Mm -hmm. being able to see it like right in front of you. Yeah. But that yeah. takes work, right? It takes a lot of work and it is it is uncomfortable and it is hard. And yeah, it's it I mean, I think that's again all of the work that all of us have to do. It's not easy. It's it's difficult. <sighs> I think about, you know, I take a deep breath, right? Because I'm feeling that in my chest. Mm-hmm. I um I think about the beginning of the pandemic and you know, this when I was watching Shits Creek and it was the stay-at-home mm-hmm. orders and um the boredom, like, ugh, yeah. like the boredom that came with that and, um, that I couldn't, um, go out and about and see all my people and, and travel and, and do all the things. And I had to stay home and I had to sit and watch TV and, um, and how hard, like literally, I mean, it was hard for everybody, but, um, it was really hard. It was really hard yeah. to have to be quiet and slow and, but like, but like through that experience, through those those months and years, um, there there has been growth, and I feel um, healthier because I am able to be like, okay, like we can we can chill, we can be okay. Like there's actually some goodness to this, yeah. um, and so that's good. Kind of forced into it, but yeah. we learned something from it on yeah. the other end. Like that sense, like the worst thing I could have thought of happened and I survived. So yes. I'm okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was um, talking to another Enneagram uh, fo- person um, and we were, the phrase that I used was, um, uh, I'm not going to die. Um, and they, they are on the nine <laughs> on the Enneagram and they were like, but it feels it fe- like the thing, it feels that big of a deal. Like it feels like, oh my God, but what if I die? <laughs> like, and it's not like, um, I had a two client once that talked about, um, rejection feels like heartbreak. Like, and I was like, wow, that's a really Mm. big sentence. But like to her, it was like, that's how big it feels. Like, um, my sixth friend one time said, um, 
this person not being in my life anymore feels like betrayal. Like that big of a sentence. Like it is pa- mm-hmm. our thing that we're trying. It's painful. Like boredom yeah. feels like I'm going to die. Like <laughs> It feels like I'm going to die and I'm going to be stuck here forever and life is going to pass me by and I'm going to shrivel up on this couch and just like never see sunshine again. Like, and it's like, no, it's just an yeah. afternoon of boredom. Like, you know, but it feels like this really like, sad, scary thing. And I think all the numbers, right? Like you talk to an eight (laughs) and you tell them about vulnerability. They're like, no, I'm going to die. Like, I'm going to like, that's going to make me explode if I have to cry in front of you. Right. And it's like, what? Really? And they're like, yes, yes. That's how big of a deal it is. Or a one, when they make a mistake, they're like, I'm literally screaming inside because I made a mistake. It's that big of a deal. Um, And so just the grace and compassion that we all have to have for each other about this growth work, that it it's not as easy as it looks. And so we might think, oh, who cares? It's just a mistake. And a one's like, no. Or like, who cares? It's just boredom. And it's like, no, like, that's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Sobriety is <Yeah>. hard. <laughs> it is hard. It is really hard. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, it does feel like death, I think. And, and for all of us, just like you're saying, I'm just, as you're talking about all these different examples, I'm like, yeah, for threes, it's like, if I cease doing, I cease existing. And it's yeah, really like, hard to dismantle what a that belief. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if I and cease that, doing, I cease existing. Like that is mm. such a grave statement, but it's how they feel. Like, yep. yeah. Yeah. Yes. It is very painful to have yes. to unlearn those things. Um, yes. And I do think that like one of my big principles too is, you know, when you get like healthier, quote unquote, in your type, that doesn't mean that those things go away. It just means that you're able to, like you're saying, you're able to observe it and be like, I'm going to yeah. be okay. Like this sucks okay. and I hate it, but I'm going to be okay. Um, I'm not going to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to die. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, um, Absolutely. I am curious if you have any thoughts. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like formulating this as I'm like talking through it because I think something else that people miss about sevens is that is how cerebral they are. Yeah. Because they're in the head center. Yes. Right. Yes. But I think people are like, they're just floating around. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> it's because no, no, they no. like every, like all of their energy is in their head. And even seven clients I've had who are like, I'm like, where in your body do you feel that? They're like, right here in my head. <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious if you have any thoughts that you want everyone to know about sevens in, in that context. Yeah, we're in our head. That's <laughs> what I want to say to that. Is that yes, I kind of sign that. We're completely in our head. You've probably also heard me say, I've just, again, the Enneagram helps us like catch ourselves. I've said so much already in this podcast. That makes sense. It makes sense. Um, I, it, I'm in my head. It makes sense. It makes logical sense. Um, so yeah, we're in our heads. Um, we're thinking a lot. It's a, it's a lot of thoughts happening at one time. Um, I want things to make sense. Um, logically, um, we, yep. I, my heart space, I, I, I have to, um, get really quiet. Um, to, to know what is happening there. Um, am I sad? Am I mad? Am I, 
um, you know, whatever. I, I have to really listen closely to that. And then same thing with my body. Um, and that has taken work of my own personal work of like, yeah, what's going on in my body? Um, because yeah, if mm-hmm. you ask me how I feel, I'm going to go, I think I, which automatically is, I think I'm in my brain. Um, and so I have to go, no, I feel tight in my chest. I need to take a breath. I feel um, overwhelmed or sad or happy Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, So that's work Mm -hmm. for a seven, for sure, to kind of pull ourselves down down into our heart space and into our bodies, not just rely on our head. Um, Yeah. But I do think that that is a misconception about how much um, we're in our heads. And our holy virtue, though, is wisdom, right? And that's something Mm -hmm. that, again, that like people don't realize that like we do bring a wisdom because we are in our heads and we are thinking things through Mm -hmm. and then mix it with the all the other stuff that we do so naturally, um, we bring a sense of wisdom. And again, I think that people are sometimes surprised to think like, oh, sevens, early virtue is wisdom. And you're like, yeah, don't, mm-hmm. don't sleep on us. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't think that we don't know what's going on. We do. Um, that we are very wise and in our heads. Um, but yes, very, very, very cerebral. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, when I think about wisdom, you know, I think about the combination of knowledge, but also like emotional mm-hmm. intelligence, mm-hmm. um, too, like bringing those two sides together, which sevens are just always on that path, I think, too, once mm-hmm. they get started, because it is yes. that question of like, how do I connect my head and my heart? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think paying attention to it, um, because I have studied feelings and I know that feelings are important as a therapist, um, I logically can get there. So I can logically go, it is a good thing for you, Camille, to connect to your feelings. Um, so, um, so, okay, that is an important value of mine. Whereas actually with other numbers, um, like, so, a, a cool thing that I've kind of recognized is so with the sevens, we don't have any connection to the heart space. Um, we're, mm-hmm. we, our wings are, um, are the body triad and the head triad. And then our access points are the head triad and the body triad again. So nowhere do I connect to the heart space. Um, and so, um, for me, I have to logically again, use my brain to say, Ooh, but I should use my heart space. And that is a good thing to use my heart space. So how do I tap into my heart space? Um, whereas, a two on the other side, a two doesn't connect to the head triad. Um, mm-hmm. A two, all the same things I just went through. Their wings are in their bo- the body and the heart, and then their access points are the heart, the head, the body, and then the heart again. So no, mm-hmm. no thinking um, connection. There are thinking. Don't mm-hmm. don't go right. up upwards twos. Um, but <laughs> it's not your natural tendency to go to that makes mm-hmm. sense. That's not what a two is going to say. A two is going to go that feels like this, or I should do this, or I, I, um, you know, I connected in this way. Um, but that makes sense is going to be a harder sentence for them. And so for what I'm working with a twos, I can't logically convince them to get to the headspace because that's not their strength. Um, for me to get them to go to the headspace is to go other people go to the headspace, right? Other, this is where other people connect. So it would be important for you to learn how to do that so that you can connect with others, right? Cause that's mm-hmm. going to be their motivator is like, Ooh, how do I connect mm-hmm. with others? Oh, okay. Let me do that. For a seven, what makes sense is what's going to motivate me to go over to my head, my heart space. Does that make, does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> yeah. No, it totally does. It totally makes sense. And I think, um, that's such a great observation too, of, 
being able to figure out what is going to motivate you and what's going to motivate each person that you're meeting yeah. with or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And to be able to meet them. Yeah. yeah. And then the Enneagram does such a great job of like, you can see that visually, um, right. By like looking at the connections and then you can just kind of just know it, but just to be able to say like, Oh wow, there's a, there's, that's a harder access point for, for sevens to get over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I've been loving this conversation. Um, yes. and I want people to be able to connect with you and I'm curious, what are you working on right now? What are you passionate about? Um, what do you want people to, to know about how to connect with you and your work? Yeah. What I'm working on right now, what I'm always working on is therapy and being a therapist. Um, and so I own a practice here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I see clients, um, all day. Um, and I love it. I'm super Mm -hmm. passionate about my work as a therapist. I think it's one of the greatest jobs on earth. Um, just being able to see and walk through life with people and to add flowers, um, and help people heal and grow and understand themselves and the people around them. Um, and then I, I believe in, uh, social justice and, and making our world a better Mm -hmm. place. And I, the way that I want to contribute to that is, is helping individuals feel like healthier humans. Cause I feel like when we are healthier humans, then we are going to spread that out into the world. Um, there's a beautiful quote that's, um, when the world inside of me changes and the world outside of me changes. Um, Mm -hmm. and so when I can help my clients connect to empathy, for themselves and compassion for themselves and um, all of those kind of things, then they can help to do that in the world that they live in. So that's something that I'm super, super passionate about. Um, and especially right now after, you know, wherever we are in the stage of the pandemic, um, that, that people are wanting, um, and needing healing, growth, connection. Um, and so really being able to provide that. So that's my number one passion, probably, um, when it comes to what I'm working on. And then the second thing is a new, the newer project, which is the Enneagram for the culture. Um, and that's the podcast that I do with Kim. Um, and really the idea about that is bringing the intersection of the Enneagram therapy Mm -hmm. and then race into the picture. And so we're Mm -hmm. really passionate about the Enneagram in general, where we're both really passionate about therapy. And then we're both really passionate about bringing that to people that look like us and and that have not had normally had access to the Enneagram just because the space has lacked in representation and um, bringing that to to people so that they can grow and so that they can use these tools. Um, and then also adding what we've really been excited about in our conversations on the podcast is adding, you know, the Enneagram does such a beautiful job of identity. Like it's all about identity and how we show up in the world. And of course the way that we show up in our identities is important. So the way we show up as women or men, um, if we show up from different cultures, if we show up, uh, if we live in the South or in the North or on the West coast, like there's different things that flavor our personality because of the identities that we hold. If I'm a mom or I'm not. Um, and so then part of that, a huge part of that is race. Um, and so how do I show up in the world because of my race? Um, because of this, the messages around that or the world that I live in, the cultural, um, implications of that and the cultural um, history, but then also the cultural joys. Um, and so really talking about the Enneagram from that lens and what makes um, each number, um, how each numbers, how each number intersects with their racial identity. And that's been yeah. such a beautiful, cool um, conversation that we have been really excited to tap into and, and talk about mm-hmm. with folks. So that's yes. my second passion. And so that's a podcast. And so you can find it on wherever you listen to podcasts. It's called Enneagram for the Culture. And um, each week we drop an episode around each this season. We've just done each number um, and really ask the question of how each number intersects with race. And then um, 
season two will be TBD. We'll figure that out after our trip. <laughs> what what, <laughs> what, what our topic will be. <laughs> yeah. I'll put all the links in the show notes too, so that everyone can access it easily. But where can people find you on Instagram? Yeah. So um, my professional account, so um, just as a therapist, is Camille.Logan, L-C-M-H-C, which is kind of a mouthful. And then if you want to find the podcast Instagram, that's at Enneagram for the Culture. Um, so those that one's an easy one, too. And if, if you find Enneagram for the Culture, because that's just easier, you'll find Camille.Logan. Um, yeah. And you'll, like you said, they'll be in the show notes. But that's how folks can find me online, on the, inter- on the internet. <laughs> on the internet. Um, okay. Final two questions. Yes. Um, so these are two questions that I honestly kind of started asking out of my own selfish curiosity because I yes. love to read. I'm obsessed with all yes. of the books. I, I yes. love to read as much as I humanly can. Um, so could you name a book that has helped you, refreshed you, or shaped you in the last year? Yes. I love this question. Um, so uh, as a as a therapist, we are always reading professional books. And then it's really important for us to read personal books because just because. So I'm going to name two. Um, Professionally, a book that has refreshed me recently and that I've been giving to a lot of clients and recommending to a lot of clients is The Wisdom of Your Body. Um, It's by Hilary McBride. um, And it talks about how to become more um, embodied and how to connect to your body. Um, it is a beautiful book. Um, the bottom says finding healing, wholeness and connection through embodied living. So she really tries to break down a lot of the scripts that, um, get placed on our bodies, um, around Mm. thinness, around spirituality, around pain, around, um, feelings and how our feelings show up in our body. So it's a beautiful book. Really, really highly recommend that one professionally. And then personally, um, I was in a little slump of my personal books because I was kind of focusing a lot on my professional books. And so I got back into reading fun books. And the one that's kind of, the ones that kind of like sparked me and got me back into it was um, all the books by Jasmine Gilroy, um, which are these like fun. I mean, this is fluff. This is romantic comedy style. This is chiclet. This is, which I don't love that term, but this is, hi, I'm reading this book and within five minutes I know exactly what's going to happen, but I'm going to go along for the ride. Um, And so, you know, boy meets girl, minor conflict. We get back together within the last 20 pages of the book kind of a thing. Um, But there's fun and there's some sexy scenes and it's just really cute. So all those books Jasmine Guillory writes – I love those personally. And they're just such a great, especially after a hard day of work, um, just wanting to sort of escape into like a really simple plot line (laughs) is very, very comforting for me. (laughs) I am here for that. I am the type of person who I pick up a book like that. I don't care if it's silly. I don't care if I know what's happening. I will sit and I will read the entire thing. Like that is just who I am. And it's kind of nice, those books, because you usually read them pretty fast because it's like an easy read. And so it's kind of nice to just sort of, you know, you can finish it in a weekend. And so you can kind of just be like, this is my book. I'm just going to hunker down. I'm just going to curl up on the couch and just read this. And then that'll be that, right? It's not like it's it's not a slog to get through. It's sort of just this little fun, breezy um, books. I love those. And recently in that same genre, I've gotten into, have you heard of the Bromance Book Club? No. Oh my gosh, this is so silly. Okay, so it is so good though, but it's the Bromance Book Club and it is a series and it is about guys who created this book club 
where they read romance novels and then they apply the romance novels to their own like personal lives. So like the first one, which it's right on the back, so I'm not reading anything. The guy, him and his wife separate. The bromance book club come and like welcome him in and they're like, come, you need to read these books. And he's like, what? I'm not reading these books. But then it ends up that the book gives him tips about how to get back with his wife because he wasn't listening to her, blah, 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 blah. It is such a creative twist on those sort of like, again, easy uh, books that are just kind of light, but it's fun that it's a male lead and it's just, I've never heard of that like creativity. Um, And then they're really sexy and fun too. So um, all (laughs) of that mixed in, they're really good ones too. Yes. Okay. Totally going to read those, put those on the list for sure. Uh Mm -hmm. Okay. Amazing. Love those. Okay. One last question. What is a piece of advice that has really stuck with you? Yeah. Um, something lately that I've been like kind of coming back to, and I, I help clients with this, but I've been really using it with myself is that, um, imposter syndrome, right? So imposter syndrome is a liar, but you can also use it as fuel. Um, Mm -hmm. and so this idea that we can use that little voice that says, "Mm, I don't think you can do this. We can actually use that to our advantage to say, okay, well then let me study for it or let me prepare for it or let me um, do what I need to do to be able to feel more confident in doing this. And then we end up nailing it um, because Mm we like actually like worked at it. Um, And so even though it was a liar that I can't do this, I can still use that as fuel. So um, that's been something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And um, even thinking about how imposter syndrome shows up for women and then even people of color and um, how Mm -hmm. that is sort of just like a natural, just just what we do is have that imposter syndrome just because of society. And so, yeah, if I'm going to naturally have that, how do I use that to make me better? Um, And just helping clients and then myself say, okay, all right, I see you imposter syndrome. Let me like watch what I can do. Right. And so um, using it as fuel has been something that's been helpful. So that quote, it's a liar, but we can use it as fuel. That's so beautiful. I'm going to write that down, put it on a sticky note, paste it everywhere. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This has been great. great. Well, thank thank you so, so much much for sharing all of your type seven wisdom with us. Um, (laughs) So thrilled. I can't wait for people to hear this. And if you're listening, make sure you follow Camille, listen to Enneagram for the Culture. It's honestly fantastic. I, I really enjoy it. And I'll be honest, I don't listen to a lot of Enneagram podcast because I'm like, I want to do something else. So if I listen to an Enneagram podcast, you know, it's good. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That means a lot because there are a lot of Enneagram podcasts. And so, yes. So thank you so much for, for listening and loving it. And I'm excited uh, to listen to the other folks that you have on yours. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Enneagram IRL. If you loved the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. This is the easiest way to make sure new people find the show. And it's so helpful for a new podcast like this one. If you want to stay connected, sign up for my email list in the show notes or message me on Instagram at nine types co to tell me your one big takeaway from today's show. I'd love to hear from you. I know there are a million podcasts you could have been listening to, and I feel so grateful that you chose to spend this time with me. Can't wait to meet you right back here for another episode of Enneagram IRL very soon. The Enneagram in Real Life podcast is a production of Nine Types Co. LLC. It's created and produced by Stephanie Baron Hall with editing support from Brandon Hall and additional support from Crits Collaborations. 
Thanks to Dr. Dreamchip for our amazing theme song. And you can also check out all of their music on Spotify.